Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Sports Plus to the Max. News Talk 830 WCCO. Under AM Dial, Twins off tomorrow. They pick it up Friday right here, 6.30 pregame in Kansas City. They won 14-4 today to take the series from Oakland. 14-4 without a home run and nine different players with RBI. Wow. There's always something strange that happens in the ballpark that I haven't seen before. Joining us now, the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline, Bernadia Johnson. And she has an interesting story to tell. She worked in, has worked in public education for most of her life, including 15 years in the Minneapolis public school systems, 10 as the superintendent, uh, also in Memphis, Minnesota State Mankato. Um, it is a life um, uh, devoted uh, to education. She's seen everything. She's been in the middle of the controversial firestorms and uh, uh, she's seen the progress being made in the city. She's seen what needs to be done in the inner city uh, to change it. And, and Bernadia, we've we got a number of things I want to talk to you about, so I'll get right to it. But thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. Uh, let's start with, I want to just start with education in Minneapolis because we've seen the education gap in the studies. Then we saw COVID come through and then we saw a teacher strike. Uh, you lived this for a long time. What, what concerns you the most over the next five years for the kids that are getting educated in Minneapolis right now? So, Mike, I think the main thing that uh, concerns me is that the overall culture of the organization, there's a lack of trust uh, among the stakeholders I would wish that people would communicate with one another and be transparent about uh, the challenges and the great opportunities. We have great kids in Minneapolis public schools, and they deserve the best education possible. And I think I know when folks are not talking to one another, not communicating, not trying to come up with shared solutions and strategies, how detrimental that can be for students' overall outcomes. Is that faculty to administration? Is that administration to school board? Where's the the breakdown? Well, I I guess it's hard for me because I'm still on the outside. So Uh, I'm doing a little backyard quarterback in here a little bit, right? And so I'm only talking as a person who's been within the system. And what I know is that it's absolutely necessary to get past whether you like each other or not. 
get to the table and do your damn job. And for me, that's what's important. So it's not clear to me exactly, but I would say all the stakeholders need to set aside their egos and sit down and talk about what they can do on behalf of children in Minneapolis. So, you know, I could be a good backyard quarterback, but I don't, I'm not in there. So I probably should not be as, you know, opinionated, but I am. I can't help it. <laughs> Compare and contrast Minneapolis to Memphis, the school systems. You've worked in both. Are they similar or are they completely different? Well, they're really different. At the time I was in Memphis, it was the 19th largest school district in the country. And when I went to Memphis, people were still paddling kids. So we're not doing that in Minnesota. So we're very progressive in Minnesota. And the district was mostly African-American students, mostly African-American teachers, but had its, also had its challenges with the achievement gap. But uh, with the help of some great leaders in schools and some great um associate superintendents, there were some really good changes made under the leadership of Dr. Carol Johnson. I was her deputy superintendent. And so I know that uh, the the unions, who was interesting in Memphis, the teachers and the principals were in the same bargaining unit. Really? And that's just unheard of here. And You, you think that's better and healthier or not? Well, I think it, 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 has, its, it has its advantages. So it's not people pointing the finger at each other. We're all in the same, you know, fishbowl together. So we talk to one another. So I thought there was a level of uh, understanding and ability to talk to each other because you were in the same bargaining unit. But I also know that um, that it was a a system that also um, had the uh, the state could take over districts in Tennessee. And that can't happen here, which is a luxury here, which means you do have local control. You have the opportunity to be in control of your destiny. You have the opportunity to come up with localized strategies that are are best for the system and the schools that you serve. And so I think for me that that um, brings a level of autonomy uh, from the state to the districts that that wasn't necessarily in a in a school district in Memphis and we had schools that were not achieving the best results for students. Where do activities so, uh, in, in sports play? What role do they play in overall education for kids? Well, here, I, what I know is that I always think about the three A's, arts, academics, and athletics. And for me, athletics uh, plays a huge role in the engagement of students. It teaches sportsmanship. It teaches collaboration. It teaches uh, students how to get along with one another and it gives people something to 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 really feel good about right and so you have students out there playing and it also forces the school to say you have to be eligible to play so that means you have to get to keep your grades up and so when I was in Minneapolis it was important for the athletic directors to make sure that they were also asking kids how are your grades so, so it's kind of this reciprocity but athletics can bring a whole community together. But we need that same kind of effort coming together around academic achievement as well. Can you do that? You know, Minneapolis North is a good example. They, they bring people together through their athletics. Can, can you bring people together uh, through, through academics? Can, do, do we do enough to celebrate it? Do, do we do enough to, to set up an infrastructure so that people are proud of their academics? Well, I think, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, that's... Uh, I, you know, we, we try to celebrate schools, and maybe it's not. Um, I remember one year Southwest was on the top U.S. 
news top high school in the in the state and in across the country, one of them. And you know, people like, well, why are you celebrating them? Look at their student population. But regardless of the student population, every school that is achieving excellence should be celebrated. And Henry was on that list as well. Uh, there are things that we do. You know, there's the citywide like chess club and the debate club and things like that that students are engaged in as well that we try to celebrate. I say we. Look, I've been gone for like six years. Yeah, but you're still in the community. You're still part of the community. I live in the community. You told me yesterday, you can't, you can't, once you've been involved in Minneapolis, you said you can't shake it. You can't move on. It lives in you. It lives in you. I mean, for those of us, you could ask anybody, even when we're disappointed, even when, when we think things could be better and we know things could be better, even when, uh, Things are really bad. People who worked in Minneapolis, led in Minneapolis, on the board, in the classroom, you know, even with everything that's going on, we still want to be optimistic because the alternative alternative is not okay. Not the okay. alternative is not good. So that's why, I mean, I have relatives. When I made a decision about any school or anything in Minneapolis, try going to Thanksgiving with a bunch of educators. I tell you, I had to finally say, look, you guys, if you're going to, like, pick apart my decision that the Thanksgiving dinner is already happening at the school board. So I, yeah. <laughs> Give me at least an hour here to just eat some turkey, Give huh? Me an hour. Let me eat a deviled egg. Let uh, me just have a cocktail uh, or something. Oh, no, they would light right in on me. Okay, okay I, and know, that's why I, I want to take a commercial break and come back because... That has is part and parcel. That has something to do with what else, the other reason that I'm having you on here tonight is you know you were a leader. The stress of it, the understanding of it, the understanding your health uh, along the way, particularly in a stressful uh, position, and um, some of that has caught up with you. And we will explain that when we come back. Bernadia Johnson is our guest, former superintendent of schools in the Minneapolis School District. Welcome back, Sports to the Max. Bernadia Johnson is our guest, a former superintendent of schools in the city of Minneapolis and beyond. Now I want to get to the difficult part of this conversation. Uh, and I want to start with um, lots of people's lives have been turned upside down over the last few years for different reasons, COVID-related and beyond, um, and lots of reasons for it. But Bernadia, I want, I want to walk you back to 2019. Um, you, you suffered... Uh, you know the the tragedy that many people think of, uh, of uh, when they enter this world, and that and that is, if I get married, who may go first? Uh, you lost your husband of forty two years. Uh, explain what happened in your relationship with him that was such a rock in your life. Well, my husband was one of my main supporters of me. Uh, encouraged me to go back and get an advanced degree. Was there when I thought about applying to Minneapolis to be a principal. He was just a rock for me, for my family and friends and and colleagues, just a rock, just a lovely man. And when when I left Minneapolis in 2015, when my grandparents were ill, he helped me take care of them. He helped me help them transition off this earth. He was there every single day doing everything he could to make sure they were comfortable and, and maintain their dignity. He was a part of that with me in the caregiving. And then he um, was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And we were like, we know people with prostate cancer. He can beat this. Yeah. But he waited late. 
and then metastasized to his bladder and his stomach, and he died August 19th in 2019. Mm. So I lost my life partner. I lost my someone who I was going to be living my golden years with. Yeah, your soulmate, yep. We were together longer than we were alive. Yeah, you know? 42 and years so of marriage, it, yeah. Yes, I mean, it's, it's quite a feat, quite frankly. Yes, and it is. I miss him dearly, miss him dearly. I'll bet and you every day. Every single day, every yep. single day, it is hard. But I, I have friends and family who are there uh, supporting me. And when I have my toughest days, they remind me to smile. I think it's about the time we had together. Yep. And he was just a gentle, he was a gentle soul. He was not high strong like me. You know, he was yeah. like, just everything in stride. You know, it's like, you know, he would just say, dear. And he was a he was an assistant principal in Minneapolis, and I get mad every one day. I was late for a principal's meeting, and I got to the meeting. I looked at him and said, "Why didn't you tell me it was a principal's meeting?" He says, "Well, you're the boss. I thought you would know." <laughs> you know so, <laughs> he had such a great humor, and everybody loved him. So, yeah. yes, okay. And, and and there's no guarantee that just because you lose one, that things won't get better in your life necessarily. Uh, you got a diagnosis that we all fear. Explain. Yes, I uh, got a diagnosis and didn't know I I was diagnosed with high blood pressure and with diabetes. And I would go to my doctor and she shared with me that my kidney function was declining. But I never thought about that, meaning that I would go into kidney failure and have kidney disease. And she said, you need to see a kidney specialist. And what I know about myself is that I was so preoccupied we're trying to do my service to Minneapolis. And I'm not plus, putting the blame on the district. It was my decision not to go to doctor's appointments when I made them. I canceled them. It was my decision. When I got there, I was running late from something, and I was preoccupied and didn't listen well enough that I my own health started to be impacted. And so now I'm dealing with uh, advanced uh, renal disease uh, from kidney failure. And I'm trying to live each day to the fullest and trying to figure out what I can do. And a friend recommended that I I tell people that I hadn't told a lot of people. I think because, first of all, I know what the reaction would be. And I just couldn't deal with people like, well, you know, shame on you kind of thing. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, high blood pressure and diabetes are endemic in African-American communities. And there's a high... Uh, this disproportionate number of people of African-American descent who have kidney disease. I think I forwarded you a New York Times article yeah. that was just came out yesterday on this. And so the more I learn, the more I understand that it's, it's really about, you know, how you handle your health. You know, uh, first of all, you know, I, I'm, I wasn't very active like I should have been in terms of physical activity. And, you know, in, in that eating, I need to change my eating habits and those type of things, but um, I I really am um, at a point now where I feel like I can be a person to talk about this, and so that I can share with other, especially female leaders, all leaders. I think sometimes we just don't take care of ourselves. Not that I thought I was omnipotent. No way, I never thought that. But it's just that I would be so busy that I just didn't pay attention, and I. I regret that because I have two lovely grandsons now that I want to be able to see graduate from high school and college and go on with their lives. And I don't know if I'll be here to see because my husband wasn't. 
Mm. And that that makes me sad. It really does. Well, are are you on a donor list? How does it work? Because you're going to need a transplant, right? Yes, I need a transplant. So last year, last summer, I spent the whole summer getting on the transplant list. So I'm on the UMM's transplant list. And uh, But people who want to know more about that, they can go to mhealth.donor.screen. No, mhealth.donorscreen.org if they're interested in helping me. Or go to the National Kidney Foundation and find out about this disease. Because the thing is, I didn't know you could live with one kidney. So both my kidneys are bad. So if one of my kidneys was okay, it would be okay. Uh, not okay, but, you know, I still would have to modify my lifestyle a little bit. And But the fact of the matter is, yes, I'm on the kidney do, uh, donor list. And this summer, I have to go back through that whole battery of assessments again to, to remain on oh, the list. Oh, that's how it works is they so, have to update it annually to see where you fit, huh? Yeah, they, they, they update it annually to make sure you're still a candidate to be on the list. If not, you get removed because I got COVID from my five-month-old grandson. Okay. But when I got COVID, they want you to notify them. So I notified them, and they put me – I still stayed on the list, but I was at a, what's called an inactive status. So so there are things that could put you in jeopardy. Of, you know, you could be put on the inactive status, or you could be taken off the list based on your behaviors and – so far, I've been behaving. I've been behaving pretty good. So okay, I'm that's good this. news. Yeah, I, I, I would, I would yes. think nothing less. But, but if you were to give, uh, you know, there, there are lots of young leaders out there, male, female, African American, uh, uh, that that um, fall into your category. You become consumed with a job, a career. It's never ending. You never have enough time in the day. You're always trying to solve problems and thinking about, it, and so you forego on some things that could be critically important to you because you just focus on the here and now. What, what do you tell those people? Slow down, um, make your doctor's appointment, and when you go, listen, take notes, and review them and understand what your doctor is saying to you. And I also uh, know that, you know, try to make adjustments right away. Uh, if I had caught this earlier and paid attention, you know, like I'm skipping into stage five right now. And, can't, and kidney is a slow disease, so it's not like cancer. It's not as aggressive. It doesn't go all over the body. It just stays in the kidney. So for that, you know, it's not going to metastasize to another organ or to another part of the mm-hmm. body. It's just the kidney. So the main thing to do is and find time to to relax and find time to get away. And my husband used to do that for me. He used to take, he used to pick me up on a Friday. He says, we're going to Duluth. Hmm. And I would just push back. I don't have time to do that. I mean, I would kind of argue with him about it. He said, we're going. And as soon as we got 35W by White Bear, hmm. I would fall asleep. Absolutely. Your body would just, you told your body it was okay to shut down and it was shut down, right? Yes, right, yeah. exactly. Well, I got to tell you something. I, Michelle Fisher reached out to me and she, she, she considers you a great mentor. And I met with Marcia Wyatt today, uh, another oh, person you? that you mentored. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, the people that you've influenced and, and, and how they've stepped up on your side and, and are behind you and trying to work with you and work through this with you, that has to be gratifying by itself because these are teachers that are still in the Minneapolis Public School District. Some have moved on, uh, but you mean the world to them. Oh, I know. It just made me, I know about Marcia, but I certainly knew about Michelle because she called me and told me. I'm like, Michelle, I, I, my teachers and I uh, 
we had a really good relationship. I mean, we didn't agree on everything, and sometimes we did, uh, you know, disagree. And but we were always professional, always professional with one another, mm. and and always could talk about what was going on in the school and what needed to happen. And so that I, I'm so gratified by the fact that two teachers in Minneapolis recognize uh, ma- many more than two. Those are just the two that I spoke to, but they've said the same thing. So uh, last question, last question for you. What, what can people do? What, what do you recommend as it, based on what you've gone through and, and, and to be a donor, all those things? So I think, so the, the, if they want to be a donor, they can contact, like I said, mhealth.donorscreen.org and they can go fill out and then they'll ask for my birthday. So I'll just give that out. 11, 12, 1959. But the real thing is for them personally, this is about me, but it's also about the clarion call for everybody out there to pay attention. And what I say is do some moderate exercise. I'm going to walk two times a week. Do something that you don't have to run a marathon, but you must be active. You must reduce your salt intake. You must eliminate or reduce the stress. And if you are on medication, take it. Take the medicine. And take the medicine as prescribed, and and that's important. And see your doctor regularly for for physicals, and and make sure that you're asking them the questions because they're there to support and serve you. And you do them no good and yourself no good if you don't ask questions like, what can I do to to slow this disease down? What can I do to 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 um, make sure I'm in the best condition that yep. I need to be in? Yep. Yeah, Bernadia, uh, we will stay in touch with you. I got a TV piece coming on you on Friday, but I appreciate it very much. Thank you for giving us some time. Thank you. You're in our thoughts and prayers. You know that. Thank you so much. Thank you. I know. Thank you so very much. You bet, Bernadia Johnson. Wow, that's some heavy stuff. Stay with us, Sports to the Max. Sports to the Max. Let's check in on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline with Royce White, former first-round pick, uh, now running against Ilan Omar uh, for a seat in Congress, and he joins us now. Royce, before we talk politics, what did you think of the Timberwolves' season and, and their bow out to Memphis? Um, I thought they had a good season. I thought they overachieved. Um, yeah, I think I think Finch did a good job of, of getting those guys ready to play Memphis. They dropped two games that they should have won, and uh, you know they should have they should have been advanced into the second round for sure. I think there's a lot to build on going into next season. So. Do, do you think that they they're on the verge of being a real contender in the West, or are they a long ways away? I mean, the West is getting airtight. You know, you got a lot of series going. I mean, the, the entire league at the top in the playoffs is, is showing or shaping up to be very competitive across the board. You're seeing a lot of a lot of game sevens uh, happening. So, it, it, I think they're they're closer than they realize for sure. But it it, it always is going to come down to culture, right? And and some some guys can be taught culture, and some guys can't. Some coaches can can compensate for the culture that they lack. Some guys can. Sometimes talent does it for you. Uh, So, you know, all of those things are are to be figured out for them. Patrick Beverly spouted off about Chris Paul. Do you you find that to be fair play, or do you say that that, that, that's a no-no? Did he break a code? Well, 
I'm, I'm, I'm not familiar with what he said about Chris Paul. What was the comment? He basically called him out as not being a tough guy. You know, last year they had their altercation in the playoffs. And then when Phoenix lost this year, uh, Beverly who had this back and forth with him that led to a suspension for, for Beverly. He basically said Paul's not a tough guy. Nobody fears him, all those things. And he was very public yeah. about it. And not that guys don't have those opinions, but the fact that he was public about it. Would that be disturbing to you or not? No, not at all. I mean, I think overall the NBA has become really soft, especially from a social standpoint and and around, you know, the expectations of guys publicly and the things they can or can't say or are supposed to or not supposed to say. Personally, I think Chris Paul is a sellout myself. So, I mean, uh, whatever he said, fair play to him. I like Patrick Beverly. He's a dog. He plays hard. Uh, I think he, I think he might have uh, you know blew a game there uh, you know pissing off John Morant with, yeah. with, the, with, with the way he trash talks but you got to love it and and that's 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 the culture that you want and you would rather lose and go down building a, a tough culture than than to uh, just give games away out of friendship for sure understood now you got a town hall meeting coming up uh, in your run that's for right. office explain where it is and what it will be about well we're doing a town hall through a new um, a new foundation, you could say, a new a new organization called the Free People of America, and it will be at the Minneapolis Convention Center on Saturday afternoon from two to five. And the topic is referendum, uh, referendum on on American politics, referendum on America, the idea of America. Uh, many political issues on on the table, obviously, uh, from from many many different uh, walks of life and, and many different angles and worldviews. So. We just plan to tackle a lot of those issues, and this will be the first of many town halls, but, but we urge people to get out there. It's, the first 300 tickets are free. Uh, we really want to just drive engagement and have people uh, understand that there is, there is a, a new Republican Party in Minnesota, and, and I don't say that to be grandiose. I mean that there is a, a genuine split between the, the traditional Republican establishment and the America First movement, and, and people have to understand that, and I think it's the only way for us to reach uh, across the aisle or reach into the constituency that has otherwise not voted in the past and, and form a new uh, a new constituency that sees the, the value in the America First agenda. So what are we going to have? you going to be up on stage? What, what, what kind of a format is it? Well, we have a panel. There'll be a, a panel for the first hour and a half to two hours. And then for the next hour to hour and a half, we're going to open it up to the crowd for, for Q&A. Um, and the entire thing is going to be streamed live. It's going to air on YouTube that day uh, live and also on Getter, which is the new uh, conservative social media platform. So we're all hooked up to stream live across a few platforms. I think it's going to premiere on Facebook Live as well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we you know, the, the goal is – the goal is to address the crisis of leadership, but but ultimately to address the crisis of culture, which we can only do uh, from breaking these these uh, ideas and, and and topics down to to the bare bones and getting to the you know to the meat of, of what what needs to be discussed and what needs to be done going forward. At the crux, what would you say differentiates you from Elon Omar? Well, number one, I'm not in on it. And I say that jokingly, but, but with all sincerity, you know, a, a good portion of the politicians, besides Ilhan, I mean, Ilhan's certainly an example, but, but a, good, a good portion of all the politicians in the, in the field currently are in on it. And when I say in on it, I mean they're in on a uniparty scam, a uniparty scam to undermine the citizenship of, of the American people, and, and specifically the working class. Uh, this entire globalism initiative is is predicated on one idea, one idea alone. 
that the working class is no longer necessary as technology and automation continue to grow. And, and, and they will ship our jobs across, across seas or, or to whoever they need to until the technology gets to a point where they don't really need people at all. And, and each, each sector has, has begun to show the ramifications of that. And we, we haven't done what we need to do about it. Now you got inflation and job insecurity, food shortages. The whole thing is crumbling. So there's a lot to talk about. All right. And when you go into her district to campaign, how does it go? Well, I'm from the neighborhood. Yeah. You know, Ilhan's actually not from Minneapolis. I, I was born and raised. Born and raised right here. You, you can see you the IDS Tower from from your window. You see my, you've known my family for many generations. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm from the community. So, you know, I think one of the one of the huge disservices that the American media has done is is frame the two political parties um, in, in a very misleading way. Uh, misinformative way, and and so I have to rectify some of that. And people are very uh, confused that I would even run as a Republican. But but I try and remind people that uh, the Republican Party is going through its own civil war, and that there's going to be a new Republican Party that comes when the smoke clears. And ultimately, I was born and raised a Catholic and a Christian, and the Democratic platform and and, and the far left for sure, including Ilhan Omar and the rest of the squad, have have deviated greatly from any reverence for for spiritual faith or spiritual life uh there's almost an anti-god sentiment that is that has crept up and grown over the american culture as a whole especially through mainstream media so you know i I just i can't be aligned on the left categorically because i believe in god and and they openly reject god so we got to get the 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 parameters of this thing back back reoriented and set and then and then try and grow a constituency from there that's that's what i aim to do royce appreciate your time and i look forward to talking to you again soon Thank you, brother. Hope we see you on Saturday. You got Royce White. Nice stuff to join us. And uh, I, I, w- I would disagree with him on one thing. We don't have time, but I, I think a lot of the people on the left are very much Christians and devout Christians. We, we may see, you know, the, the left and the right may see the world a little bit different, but I think that there are a lot of devout Christians and devout people of faith on uh, on all political parties. Uh, Sports to the Max will continue after this short but important break. Welcome back. Wow. We got a good one brewing. The uh, Minnesota United just tied at 1-1 with L.A. late in the game. Wonderwall. Get ready. Just when you thought they had no offense. Kaboom! They strike in a big way. Change the game. Uh... Tubsy, do you think soccer needs more scoring? Yeah, I, I'd I'd love more scoring in uh, in soccer, but you know I understand it's part of the beautiful game as they call it, and you know. So, what um, when uh, what's that music I hear? We're not done, are we? No, it's Wonderwall. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's gonna be the day that they gonna turn um, back to you. What you know when when they do um, extra time when they assess extra time in these games? Uh huh. What does that mean? Is it just a random? Do they just come up with a random number? How do they decide? I, I think, and I could be wrong here, and I probably am. Uh, but I think it's like when somebody goes down. You know, there's like an injury or... Yeah, because they're not in no hurry to get off the field. They're yeah. going, the clock's running. What's going on here? Get yeah. out the clock. And they don't. But wh- how, do they, how do they make that up? I-, I think there's, you know, like an official scorer that will 
keep the time. And I think they just add that to the end. So if there's, you know, 20 minutes of... Is that arbitrary, though? Like, let's say the game was 3 to nothing. What might they say, hey, there's no sense in us giving... No, I, I, th- I think that, I think they'd put it on regardless. Do they? I, I think so. I mean, I, I don't see why... Because you, you never know. I mean, that's like saying, ah, you know what, this team's down six No, runs. I know what you mean, but I didn't know if there were some kind of unwritten rules, you know? Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know if there's any unwritten rules in soccer. I mean, because, I mean, my God, every, every two minutes somebody's getting hurt. Yeah, well, I, and I think that's why they just add all that extra time. You know, but do you a, know going to, to the end of the game how much extra time is there so that strategically you can say, okay, you know, we're we're going to do this, we're going to play these people because we have you know we have X amount of time left. Does everybody know that on the bench, or how does it work? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that the coaches know. Like, I, I'm sure that there's somebody on staff that. I mean, okay, I should know this, but I don't study soccer enough to know. Yeah, I, I have to imagine there's somebody on the coaching staff that is aware. He's hey, in you charge know, of extra time. Yeah, yeah, we we've got so much extra time because. That I mean, could be his title, assistant yeah, coach, extra time. Yeah, it's like you have an assistant coach, wide receiver. So yeah, know? you know, and, and again, I mean, between ponies and soccer, I I feel like, you know, it's not my not my straw. But I I, I would, because I'm always, I know that there's going to be extra time, but I don't think it's like an arbitrary, hey, 15 or 20 minutes. I, I, I think it's just to make up so you're not getting shorter during the game because they don't have that stoppage. And you We're, can't fake injuries, right? No, you I mean, you never fake injuries in soccer. You know what I'm saying? You, 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 want to, you want to minimize how much a guy might be down, especially if his team's winning. Oh, I don't, I don't think that matters. I mean, you know, th- those injuries are going to happen regardless. It's oh, a, yeah, it's a brutal sure. game. Yeah, yeah. They'd never, they'd never take a dive for their team. No. Hey, Doc Oz came back strong after we signed off last night. Oh, did he, Oz? He's in the game now. Oz won Pennsylvania. No, he didn't win it. I think, I think oh. it's like less than a thousand. They have to do a, a recount or a something. Yeah, get away for those mail-in ballots. Is yeah, that I don't know what, what they're they're it's the mail-in ballots or what they're waiting for. But I, I, I had him done. Huh? And in the late innings, he came back with a three-run homer. It looks like uh, Doctor Oz, Doctor Pepper, Doctor. Yeah. Know, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. That's that's interesting. Yeah, so if, you and I were—I mean, you and I didn't know really that much about the race. We were just speculating, conjecture was, yeah, uh, that he was down quite a bit. Yeah, so I mean, we'll—you know—we'll see. As they say, every vote matters. So, I—I I mean, I, I know that they weren't going to give us an answer until this morning, and apparently now that still is going to be pushed out a day. Well, or two. I, yeah, I guess I haven't followed it tonight. I, as of this morning, they were—you know—they were both uh, claiming they'd be the victor. You know? Oh, of course. Well. You know, every, everybody's going to claim Remember to be the when victor. Norm Cole and now Frank, and that thing went on for months, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, it's elections, you know, like we were talking about last night, Max. I mean, it, it's it's messy. There's a lot of, you elections know. Elections have consequences, they always yeah, say. They, they, they absolutely yeah. do. I mean, yeah. We've seen that before. So, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if it's, you know, we'll find out where it is, and then we'll we'll deal with it come, you know what, November. November will be the next big one. Yeah, yeah the, I, I don't know why, but it seems like they're, they're advertising earlier than ever. Oh, I I think there's just I think it's all over. Even if you're yeah. not seeing it on TV, I mean, yeah. you're seeing it on Facebook, you're seeing it on Twitter. I don't know much about Instagram. I mean, YouTube. I mean, anywhere you look, any of your communication channels, you're going to see something about politics. 
Yeah, you can't miss it. It just seems like they're they're a- actually advertising for the November election earlier than ever. You yeah, know what I mean? You can't you can't get away from it. Yeah, and you, I know you enjoy the primary season more than most. Oh, are you kidding? You get me uh, you get me some wine and cheese, and I'm going to sit down. <laughs> a primary to the primary. I will watch the hell out of that primary. Yeah. All right, Tubbsy, good stuff as always. All right, see you tomorrow. Let's Maxie. do it again tomorrow. Okay, you got it, Maxie. He's Chris Tubbs. I'm Mike Max. Henry Lake is coming up next. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.